This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them.
Check, check, test, test. All right, welcome, welcome to Converge, everybody. All right, can I get your attention? We're um, gonna start with some announcements. My name's Justin, I'm up here with Joy, my wife, and we got a few announcements today and then a, uh, something new that we're gonna do. But as we start with announcements, um, waiting for the slide to show up to give us the announcements. All right, here we go. Um, welcome to Converge. A few announcements coming up. Um, Friendsgiving at the Shantons. No. Oh, here we go. Men's conference first. <laughs> I'll get to the Shantons in a minute, but first, let me talk about men's conference. Guys, this is an opportunity for you to sign up for a weekend adventure for only $100. Uh, we are going to, uh, the men of Heritage are going to meet uh, in North Carolina. It's two and a half hours away in the date April 19th through 21st. This is an awesome opportunity for you men to get to know other men, to be challenged by the pastoral staff at church, and just an opportunity for you to uh, dig deeply with your walk with the Lord. But what's so great about it for just for our Converge ministry, we have a massive discount. So for just $100 for the weekend, you can sign up. We have, it includes food, tons of bacon in the morning. Normally, 
uh, the price normally? I don't know. It's probably two fifty. Two hundred fifty normal, but you guys just one hundred dollars. And um, let me just get raise your hand if you've already signed up. I've already signed up. Anybody else already signed up? Dave signed up. All right. So we have two in here that have already signed up. I know Hunter signed up, so we have three. Dave will be there, that's four. So we need to get a good representation from the men in Converge at this men's conference. So I'm, why should you go? Well, I said that. We should go for numerous reasons. <laughs> Community, we need to, but man, it's an opportunity for you to get connected. So I'd definitely make an effort to do that. All right. Now I want to talk about the Shantons. On Thursday at 6 o'clock is a Friendsgiving at the Shantons. I know it's after Thanksgiving, but that's all right. This is an opportunity for you to come out and have deep fellowship at the Shantons' house. Bring your own side or dessert. And um, I know many of you have done this before or been to the Shantons' house, so raise your hand if you're planning on being there this Thursday. Great, awesome, okay. All right, and then we have another announcement about just fall events. We have um, on Saturday, next week, <laughs> we have an event at our house. We're having just an afternoon of coffee and cookies, dessert, and that's from 12.30 to four at our house um, next Saturday. Enjoy one. It's actually 1230 to 4.30, but this is not just for students. If you're a young professional, you're more than welcome to come. It's just to have a break. It's just to hang out. If you want to come play games, if you want to just pop in for a little bit, if you want to bring friends that don't even come here, that's totally fine. The leaders in here are helping and making cookies, so we will have enough cookies for however many of you come. And um, but yeah, if you want to break from work, whether you're a young professional or a student, you are more than welcome to come. And it's just kind of a time to hang out before everybody leaves for Christmas break. All right, we have another announcement from Cheryl Sumi. Where is Cheryl? Is she in here? Okay. Cheryl, can you make this announcement? Come on. I just wanted to let you know or remind some of you next Sunday after church we're headed to La Coretta pay for your own lunch um, on Ward Road and then from there we're gonna go to the Target parking lot and we're gonna give out ministry bags um, this is a ministry I think some of you have done with us in the past um, but it takes about 30 minutes we've got like a hundred bags to pass out and what we do is just go through the parking lot of the Target um, Best Buy area and just go up to people and welcome them and wish them a Merry Christmas, give them a little Christmas gift, which is a bag that has tracks and candies and chips. I forget what else we put in it, guys, but all kinds of little goodies. Um, and people are always very receptive to just receiving them. You don't have to really do anything else. If they ask you questions, you can answer them. If they don't ask you questions, just wish them Merry Christmas and move on to the next person. So it's real simple, um, but we need some help. We need at least 20 folks to come and help us out. Um, and I promise you it won't take very long, but um, it's definitely rewarding. So come out and help us next week. Thanks, Cheryl. Okay, um, next 
We just want to start with a quick uh, new thing. This is an opportunity for some of you to be pulled up on stage and to be peppered with some questions. So um, this is something that we are calling Who Dat? And we've asked three people to come up here, so come on up. You know who you are. Give them a round of applause. Let me get you a microphone. All right, you can pass this microphone back and forth. I want just a quick introduction. So what's your name and where are you either in your college career or professional career? Like what, what level of school or what are you doing in life right now? Um, my name's Harrison Kulik. Um, yeah! Hooray. Um, I'm at Liberty University. Um, it's my first year there and I love it. Oh, I'm from Canada. I live in Canada, so I'm in a, I live in a different country. But, you know, America is also great, so. My name's Morgan. I am also at Liberty University. I'm a sophomore in the nursing school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Colorado. Yeah. My name is Seth Newell. I am, thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Hunter. I am a senior at Liberty, studying exercise science, and I am from Budapest, Hungary. I'm a missionary kid as well. All right. Well, thank, thank you, guys. The purpose of this interview is so that you in Converge can understand and know your fellow Convergians. You know, we, want, we want you to feel comfortable coming up to Harrison, Morgan, and Seth at any point and getting to know them better. This is just an opportunity for us to kind of put you on the spot, test your public speaking skills, and give you an opportunity to share something about your life. So uh, Joy and I are just going to rotate asking you some questions. Um, but first, uh, we'll start with Morgan. All right, what is one reason that you felt led to pursue your degree in nursing? I'm honestly just kind of a science nerd. I just love science a lot. Um, and yeah, <laughs> science, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I don't know, and I just thought, you know, it's a great career ministry opportunity. It's pretty fun, honestly, to learn about like all the medical stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know, so it felt like a good fit for me. Say, so, yeah. All right, Seth, what's a Christmas tradition that your family did growing up or one that you would want to make your own? Good question. So growing up overseas in Hungary, um, Santa Claus doesn't bring the presents. I hate to break it to you, but I know, I know. I was only recently... Um, shared that truth, and I, yeah, it was disappointing, but um, it, instead of Santa Claus, baby Jesus is the one that brings the presents. Yeah, amen. Um, praise God. And so I think it's on December 6th is when we have Santa Claus Day, in addition to baby Jesus bring the present. So um, on the night of the 5th, all the kids put, out, put their boot on the window still. And if they've been a good kid or a bad kid, depending on their behavior throughout the year, they might receive a switch, right, or some candy in their boot the next morning, 
which is a really cool tradition that my family has been a part of, and I'd love to continue to do that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A switch? A switch. I have not been switched, but... Like, like a branch. Uh, I have received one. Wow. <laughs> All right, Harrison, uh, tell us, how did you choose your major, and what class has been the most difficult, and what's been the easiest for you? Um, well, my major is biomed. Um, yeah, basically, uh, I chose that major pretty much because I want to be a doctor. Um, right. Yeah, I've pretty much wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Um, what was the next part of the question? What's your hardest class and easiest this past semester? Um, well, the hardest class is probably uh, Bio 224. It's pretty hard. Um, lots of people here probably know that. Um, the easiest class, um, probably like English or something, <laughs> so. All right, Morgan, being from Colorado, what is something vastly different that you've noticed here versus from where you grew up? What isn't vastly different <laughs> is the question. It's so different here, it's great though. Um, I think the culture in Lynchburg and honestly just the whole, everywhere I've been in Virginia is so friendly. People look you in the eyes, even when you're out in public, people smiling on the sidewalks, and definitely not something I was like totally used to back home, so that was really cool. Um, also the trees. <laughs> There's so many of those, so it's great, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Seth, what is one of the best lessons in wisdom that you've learned? Good question. Um, yeah, I've, I've definitely learned a lot of lessons throughout my life, but I think as I was reflecting on what I would want to share with someone, I think I would share um, the fear of failure. Don't be afraid to, to fail. I think our generation especially struggles with, um, with failure, and we tie it too much in with our identity. And, um, and because of that, and often when we fall short of, um, of, of different things, maybe expectations that we have for ourselves or um, other people have for us, then that can, um, yeah, it can um, have, a, have a toll on, on our identity and, and who we perceive or who we see our, ourselves to be. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you all to not be afraid to, to fail. And when you fail, recognize who you are and your inherent worth and, and quality as a, as a human being created in the image of God. So. All right, Harrison, what is one of your best memories from this past year? Oh, um, probably meeting a lot of nice people. One of the, my biggest things moving to a different country is what I meet people. Would I just be alone here and have nobody? But like, especially going to Liberty, it's been so easy to make friends. It's been so easy to meet people. Like everyone on my hall is great. People that aren't on my hall are great. Everyone in my classes are great. Everyone at the school is great. It's like, everyone at Converge is great. Everyone at the church is great. Everyone in Lynchburg is great. Yeah, so, yeah, amen. meeting all the people, for I sure. love it. All right, Morgan, last question for you. What's your favorite thing in nature? Ooh, that's such a good question. I'm, just, I'm a sucker for snow. I love the snow, probably because of, you know, it's just, yep. yeah, Amen. snow. Nobody likes winter, but I think it's great, yeah. And then also the clouds. They're just, they're always different, and they're always beautiful, no matter what they look like. So, yeah. Good. All right. 
Seth, something you miss about home. Yeah, maybe, I would say probably family. I know we have a couple missionary kids in here, and you all definitely relate to this one. Uh, family and, and Hungarian food as well, um, and just connecting in a different way um, with, with people, but yeah. What's your favorite food in Hungary? Probably, probably goulash, or you've probably heard of goulash, is how you might say it. It is a hearty soup full of potatoes and meat and carrots, and very delicious all year around. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Harrison, last question. Who is your favorite book or movie character, and why? And it can't be Jesus. Oh, can't be Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, well, my favorite book or movie character? Well, okay. My favorite, super, let's say my favorite superhero. My favorite superhero was Batman. I'm a big Batman guy. From the time I was a kid, huge Batman fan, Batman bed sheets, Batman curtains. I was a big Batman guy, so. Batman, yeah, Batman. Awesome. <laughs> yep, good. All right, well, thank you guys so much. Give it up for our three special contestants. Lord, and thank you all, and uh, I look forward to doing this Who Dat again. Um, next time we do this, whoever we pick, we will give you a little heads up so you won't be pulled right up on stage without any announcement. But uh, let's give it up for Dave um, coming up here to teach us in the word this morning. Um, I hope we get to get more of you up here to uh, get some introductions along the way. We're going to try to connect some technology here, but while I get up and running, I've got a task. That's, the, that's definitely the wrong one. There's, there's the notes that we're trying to, let's see if this works. Uh, of course not. All right, while, while I get this switched around, um, I, I have this task for you. We've reached the, um, the last section of Ephesians chapter 3 today, and the, um, the thing that you need to know if you've been walking through this uh, study with us is that the, the passages in Ephesians. The whole argument of Ephesians kind of takes a turn after Ephesians chapter 3. From today's started, I want you guys at your tables to go back over Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. If you were here last week, you might have some notes to cheat with. That's okay. If you weren't, sorry, you need to go back over Ephesians 1 through 3 and just grab the big arguments that you think Paul is trying to communicate, okay? Now, you might have some little captions above sections in your, your Bible. Try to ignore those. I want, I, want you, I want you to word in your own words, what are the big ideas that Paul is trying to get across in Ephesians 1, 1, 
through 3.13, okay? And then today we're going to go through 14 through 21. But I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do that and try to be victorious over technology.
All right. I'm going to, I know that there's a possibility that you're only partway through. Uh, you haven't made it all the way. I also realized that I left out a big part of the instructions, which was maybe you should write those down so that we could um, collect them afterwards. So I, I looked around. I'm like, you know, nobody's going to remember what they're saying because I don't see some of you. Some of you did. We're going to, um, we'll get there um, with a couple of those things, but I want to um, I want to ask a quick question, unrelated to the uh, where we're going in Ephesians, but just something that if I forget to ask, I'm going to regret it. Um, how many of you are planning for this week to wrap up your time in Lynchburg for 2023, and next Sunday you're going to be gone? Raise your hand. Hi, a few of you. See, I, see, I see the ambition of trying to get all those exams done in like the first six hours of exam week. Uh, so I, we recognize that. For all of you who didn't raise your hand, we're going we're gonna to try to um, enjoy like a kind of a Christmas party in here next week, along with some big discussion time of this passage. So we'll have some food and we'll um, play some games and hunters on the, on the um, hunt for good activities for us to, uh, to enjoy next week because he's our hype man, you know, right? So um, we'll get that going. But I just want to tell you, if you're on the fence about whether you should get everything done and leave early or like enjoy your last weekend in Lynchburg, you have coffee at the Victor's on Saturday and cookies and breakfast and fun here on Sunday. There's a reason to stick around. Okay. Uh, now, back to where we were actually going to go today. Um, we, we have reached Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, which is Paul's second prayer for the Ephesians in this book of Ephesians. And he is um, he's going to give us some insight into his passion for the Ephesians as he unveils to them what he actually goes before the Father to ask on their behalf, okay? Um, and he starts with, with this, okay? He says, for this reason, we, we've read that before, right? Do you remember where we've read that before? If you were here last week? Verse one of this chapter, right? Um, so if you weren't here last week, Paul starts chapter three with this idea, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he just kind of stops and goes into a 12-verse um, diversion to, to kind of express his feelings for the Ephesians to, um, to embrace the fact that Paul sees suffering, and that's okay because he, he is doing it for a purpose. This is what God has called him to, and there's benefit in what it is. So he kind of goes on this, on this diversion for a few minutes. Then he comes back in verse 14, and he repeats that phrase, for this reason— now, it should automatically make you ask a question. Anybody? What reason? Okay. So on the basis of the conversation you just had at your table, looking at the, the big points that Paul has tried to communicate in verses 1, 1 through 313, does anybody think they know the reason? Or reasons? We can kind of get a composite reason, maybe. What stands out? What do you think, based on, ba based on what you've read, what you've discussed at your table, what's the big 
reason that motivates Paul. You haven't read, we haven't read in public what he's going to pray, but what do you think is the, is the motivating factor to make him pray for the Ephesians? Yeah, that's a huge aspect of what we've read about, right? And, and there's a lot that has brought them to that point. There's a, there is an enormous change in the Gentiles' access to the Father based on the fact that, that God has determined that we should be his unified people. And so we read about, for, it's, it's brought about the unity, Okay. Anything else stand out? Yeah, so that unity with each other also should, it, it actually flows from unity or peace with God. And so there's this, there's this combination of, of peace. If we go back prior to chapter um, 3, verse 1, a lot of times uh, as, you're, as you're trying to figure out, okay, what's Paul in particular, okay? As he's trying to transition from one thing to another, and you read, therefore, or for this reason, or in order that, you know, it, it takes you back to whatever is gone, has gone before, we have to do a little bit of a jump above the beginning part of chapter 3. But the way Paul closes out this um, section is he describes what we've just been talking about, that we have been uh, moved from strangers and aliens to fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God that in that we're being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, this truth that has been expressed, and now we're being joined together, and it's a holy temple unto the Lord. So just like what these guys have been saying, that there's unity among those who follow Jesus, and in that we also are experiencing a unique peace with God that is actually being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit that both our relationship with the Lord and our relationships with each other have been transformed because of the work of Jesus. And for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father. There's a, it's an interesting um, turn of phrase that he uses here. I mean, we obviously know what he means by bow his knees before the Father. He doesn't specifically say he's praying for them, right? He talks in, in body language instead of, um, my heart pleads on your behalf. That would be a meaningful way to say it, right? I pray daily for, that would be substantial time that he's devoting to that. But he talks about a posture. I wonder how often our body posture reflects the determination to go before our Father. And I'm not in, in any way trying to convince you to think that the only way you should pray is on your knees, okay? That's not at all it. 
but I do wonder how often we, um, how often we would approach God in that kind of posture, that kind of humility, that kind of dedication, that kind of um, effect where it's not just your heart that's inclined towards God. It's not just your voice if you go so far as to pray out loud. It's not just your voice that's inclined towards God. It's not just your, your mind that you do your best to rein in so that you can focus on what you're saying to the Father, but we actually also incline our physical being towards the Father. And, and I don't think it has to be the exclusive way you pray, and I don't think your New Year's resolution needs to be that every morning, in, along with my devotions, is I'm going to get on my actual physical knees and pray before the Lord. But I don't think we probably approach God often enough with a physical manifestation of our posture before the Lord. Does that make sense? And so as we go through this, I think it's significant that Paul is describing his approach to the Lord right from the get-go with that kind of language. He could have said anything, and it would have been meaningful about how his heart, his mind, his, his, the, the, the regularity with which he goes before the Father. He could have said any of those things, and we would have said, amen, Paul is a model that we should follow. What he says is, I bow my knees. And so I, just, I would just encourage you with that to think, okay, when, how often does my physical posture reflect the fact that I'm going before the Father? It's definitely not wrong to double dip and pray while you're driving or to sit in uh, your chair where you have your time with the Lord and pray. There's nothing wrong with those things, okay? Don't take me to be saying that. But I just would... I just would ask us all to say, okay, when, when does this reflect my approach before the throne of glory to pray for others? And that's something else that we want to take from this is that nowhere here is Paul going to say that I would receive this. He's very diligent to pray this on behalf of others. And so thinking also how often it is we're, we're not praying for the things that we need, the felt hurts that we have, the, um, the desires that we long to see, even if they're appropriately submissive to the will of the Father, how often are we praying for those things of others, the, the desires, the, the things that we see in others that we that we would long for God to be at work in their lives, not because we're finger pointing, but because we maybe have understood um, our own inadequacies before the Father and he's done some work in us and we long for our best friend, our parent, our roommate, our boss to also know what we've learned about our loving, majestic Heavenly Father. And so getting our minds off of, of ourselves. And so Paul models that for us here as well. He goes, 
he goes on to say, I bow my knees before the Father. This is a significant phrase to say the Father. He, he has just gone through all of this work that Christ has done to take us from being enemies far off and reconciling us into his own family that now we are one body with the Father. And so he says, I bow my knees before this Father, the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. This is, um, this is kind of an odd, odd phrase right here, every family, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Um, there's another way that the, the word used here um, as every can be translated, and if we look back um, in chapter 2 at a phrase that's very similar, um, another way to say this is the whole or all the family is named. And so I think that it's actually pretty appropriate for us to think instead of um, a group of individual families that have all been named un, as, the, as children of the Father, to think of this whole family. And why would I say that? What, what, has, what have we just been talking about? What do we say the main big argument so far of Ephesians has been? Um, obviously, with so much that has been done by Christ on our behalf, but this radical change to the, to the overall body of Christ, what have we said has been true? That unity is key, right? This big work of God has turned about a unity. And so to think that Paul might be saying, rather than from, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, which is not wrong, it's, it's got its element there, but, but to think in terms of from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that we together collectively are the children of the Father. And this is, this is no light statement from Paul in the, in the culture that he would have been writing this to say that you are named after the father, the father has named you, names were significant. And so we have been named children of the father. And he, he goes on to say that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, so the, we get into what he's actually asking for, okay? So he's praying to the father He's praying on the basis of the fact that there are, that his glory is rich, and in that, that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. There's our first request from Paul on behalf of the Ephesians, but then by extension on our behalf, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Do you guys remember um, in just the skimming that you've done in, um, in here, any references to the power of God? Did you see that? Let's see if I can find it. How about Ephesians chapter 1 verses, um, we'll start with, Paul has these ridiculously long sentences. Do you see that? 
in his first prayer for the Ephesians, we get to um, verse 19, and we're going to jump mid-sentence because of this habit of Paul. He says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul's circling back and saying, I am asking that you be strengthened. And he, it almost sounds redundant, right? That you be strengthened with power. But I think something that Paul is getting to here is that there's a sense in which you can be strengthened um, and, it's, and it's your own refining of your, your own characteristic, okay? Like you're going to the gym and you're strengthening the muscles you already have, right? This is, this is who you are. You can, you as an individual can be refined to be stronger physically. You can do that mentally. You can do that emotionally. Like this can be a refining of your own qualities, but what I think Paul is getting to here to say strengthened with power, he's, what he's saying is this power through his spirit is something completely external to yourself. He longs for you as an individual to be strengthened and us collectively to be strengthened by a power that is far and above anything that we have in and of ourselves. Nothing that can be refined enough for us to be strengthened in the way that Paul wants us to be strengthened. He's saying, I want, I'm asking the, the glorious, rich Father above to grant you to be strengthened with, with power through his spirit in your inner being. Not your physical being, not to have a stronger back for the for the things ahead, but to be strengthened in your inner being, that your constitution, your spiritual and emotion, your constitution would be stronger because it is, it is by the power of his spirit that now, he's going to go into his second, his second prayer for us, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this, at first blush, begins to feel like um, confusing, maybe, because well, isn't he writing to believers and shouldn't this already be sort of factually accomplished? Like it's just, it's done that they're, that we don't need a new dwelling of Christ or the spirit in us. Um, in fact, it's also a little odd to start thinking, okay, so if we are strengthened by the power of the spirit, now we have been strengthened and that allows for Jesus, for Christ to dwell then now we have this opening to allow Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. And, and that's not really what he's getting to, right? What he's getting to is this idea that in abiding, in dwelling with Christ, as Christ dwells in you, abides with you, and, and we think John 15, that without abiding in Christ, you can do no good thing. This is, this is the... the um, full manifestation of the dwelling of Christ, the abiding of Christ in you, that as you are strengthened with the power of his spirit in your inner being, that as you turn away from those things that are unholy because you've been called to holiness, that, that as you are strengthened with the power of his spirit, you now 
genuinely, deeply, in a more full manifestation, you have Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. And then he goes on to say that you, that being rooted and grounded in love, it, you, you'll know the love, um, you're, you're rooted and grounded in love. I'm going to erase some of this stuff so it doesn't get too complicated. Rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. This is your inner being being strengthened by his spirit. This dramatic power that we just read in Ephesians 1 is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the power that he's talking about being in you, you being strengthened by this power because of the Holy Spirit, giving you the ability to have this full manifestation of the abiding Christ in you, you'll be rooted and grounded in this love. This is a stability that comes from the love of Christ, your understanding of the love of Christ. And he compares it to something that can't be known. Verse 19 he says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He wants us to know the breadth, the height, the length, the depth, the whole dimension of the love of God, to know, to know in its fullest characteristic, in all the ways that we can possibly know the love of God. He wants us to know that love in a way that surpasses knowledge. That sounds a little ironic, right? To know something that surpasses knowledge. I think part of what Paul's getting to is that you know something more effectively when it has um, experience behind it instead of just intellectual assent to it. Right? Have you been there? If, you're, if you are in school right now and, and you are desiring to become an expert in your field, there is a certain reality to the limit that you can achieve until there's an experience to go along with it. You can, you can gain the best knowledge, right? But until you've walked that path, your knowledge is just knowledge, it's not that understanding which surpasses book knowledge. That's a hard, that's a hard reality for us to understand at times, especially, um, especially as we're trying to absorb a ton of information, as we're trying to pursue a field that we love or that we think is good for us. It's, it's hard for us to really understand that you don't really know until you've been there. Um, an example. I was a um, I was a children's. I was technically called a youth pastor, but I was in a smaller church where youth pastor meant nursery through college. Um, yeah. Now I'm now I'm college through senior adults, so I've gone the whole spectrum. So it's good. I now I have the that which surpasses knowledge. Um, I was. I was a children's pastor at that point in time. I led our children's church. I, I helped oversee the nursery. I was super effective at that. Uh, I, there, was, there was a lot that I witnessed as um, I was over 
the Iwana program, and I, I just knew that I was going to be the best parent ever. I, I watched bad parents, okay? I even watched good parents, and I was like, I can refine that, right? I, I was so sure, and I remember, I don't think I ever said it out loud at the time. I may have. That's, as, that's how conceited I was. But I, I think maybe I just thought it. I thought, people say, people say you don't know what it's like to be a parent until you actually are one, but they're not me. Like, I really thought that, okay? Um, turns out, you don't actually know what it's like to be a parent until you are one, okay? And that all of the grand ideas of how I thought it would be to parent my first child um, go out the window because what it didn't take into account was their character and nature and contribution to the problem, okay? So, you may be the single best nanny or child care worker or children's volunteer at church, but I'm telling you, your knowledge doesn't surpass knowledge. Your knowledge is an intellectual ascent, some level of experience, but not the kind that keeps you up awake from two to four in the morning for eight weeks straight when a kid can't sleep. Paul longs for, for us to have the strength to comprehend this strength given by God himself. The strength to comprehend with all the saints. We're not alone in this. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you would have a level of experience with the love of Christ that would take you so far past reading about it in the word of God. That you would have experiences where you say, I, I didn't know, I thought I did. I thought my family loved me. I thought that I had a, group around me that was genuine love, but I didn't know love until the love of Jesus. That you would have a love, an understanding of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So again, the, com the conversation here is a little bit like Paul, where he says the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and then kind of jumps to and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Um, there for your own benefit um, in understanding the Word of God, there, there are some who would, who would argue that Paul actually wants you to know the breadth and length, height and depth of the power of God or um, some other aspect of what he's been arguing for. I would, I would argue that Paul, in his Pauline way, is saying breadth and length and height and depth and then to just really know, like, we're, the know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you would grab a hold of it. Now, 
it's not just to know the love of God. And it's, it's not just for you to experience then the love of God in a way that surpasses knowledge, but his actual end goal for us, and this is the main point of this prayer, is that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. That you would experience in every way that God offers you what the full version of his love and plan for you is. And that you would then live that out. That you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I think it's Colossians that'll tell us that Jesus himself is the fullness of God bodily. So that you may be filled with your understanding of the love of Christ really connects here with being filled with the fullness of God. Now, should this feel like it's so far from reality for you, you're like, this sounds nice. This, this would be great if, I, if there wasn't the, the inclusion of my own issues. I would love to experience this. There's a part of this that we have to remember isn't about you performing it. This is what Paul wants you to experience, but how is it how is it to be achieved? Do you remember how he started this? That he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. This is a work of God to continue to draw you to himself, to continue to show you what it means to be rooted and grounded in his love, for you to continue to know the, the expanse of the love of Christ and that you then would be filled with all the fullness of God. And what he closes with is this beautiful look at the glory of God, the majesty that we just heard about in the main service is also at work within you. This God who is able to do far more abundantly than you can ask or think. For you to feel like this is too far away for you is okay. Because it's God who's going to empower it. It's God that can do far more abundantly than what we can ask or think according to this very power that we've already talked about that is at work within you. And he longs for this to be true of us as a body, you as an individual, but us as a body, this unity of the, of the body of Christ, the people of God, that to him be glory in the church. That we collectively would be a display of God's glory because he's done this work in us. And in Jesus Christ, as we get to proclaim Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Because we have a privilege of knowing the Father, the very Father that Conrad and Bewe 
described in the majesty of the universe and the God who designed it and how finite we are in, in this great infinity of God and yet the personal love of our God that would work in us with his great power to show us his love and fill us with all the fullness of God. So as you go into a holiday break, maybe invest a little time in this prayer for you, that you would know this. But I would also challenge you to pray that for each other, to pray that for your family, as you spend time with people that you haven't seen as much in the last few months, then maybe this is a time for you to, to plead before the Lord, bow your knees before the Father on their behalf, that they would also know the height and breadth and depth and length of the love of God of time. Or the list of things that we wish would happen or would be true of us, but that we would see in each other this understanding. So as we go, um, I'm going to pray this for you, and we'll pray again next week for each other. Um, if you're not here with us next week, uh, I hope that your time with your family is sweet. I pray that for any hardship that you might expect or, um, or have experienced in the past, that there would be reconciliation because of our God who can break down every wall of hostility. And that if those that you know and love also love Jesus, there is a work that God has already accomplished to break down those walls of hostility and that there shouldn't be anything that keeps you from pulling together for the glory of God. And so that you might even be an agent of um, pointing people to the love of Christ and experiencing the fullness of our God. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the time that we've been able to spend in your word today. Father, thank you for Paul and what he has written that we might um, understand how he passionately pled before you for the Ephesians. And so, Father, in, in a similar way for my friends sitting before me this morning, I pray that you according to the riches of your glory, which are beyond what we can understand, I pray that you would grant them to be strengthened with your power through your spirit in their inner beings, that deep down they would know your power is at work, not something they can accomplish, but that, Father, you, you would do a work awakening their soul to you, understanding your calling on their life, that you, with your spirit, would do a powerful work in their inner beings so that Christ could dwell in all fullness, abide with all fullness in their hearts through faith. And that because they are rooted and grounded in this love, they would be strengthened to be able to comprehend in whatever way possible the breadth and length 
and height and depth and have an understanding of your love that goes beyond the, that which is written down and goes into what they can experience because the power of your love, Jesus, is at work in them. And that as a result, they would be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, you long to do something in us and through us. You've left us here with a purpose. So, Father, would you do far more than we can ask or think to draw us to yourself, to change us, to be more like Christ, to fill us with your spirit and and the power that is at work within us to know your love and to experience the fullness of our God so that as we go, we are the best possible representation of the Father to whom we have been reconciled. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, uh, we will see you next week. If we don't, we'll be back in January with the beginning of Ephesians 4 through 6 that talk about how then do we live this out. Have a great Christmas. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.